Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host Leo and today we are talking Annihilation. Now I'm going to be honest with you guys, this one's a, a weird one, an, another weird one. To give you kind of an idea of what it felt like to watch this movie, it it's very reminiscent of Sphere in multiple ways actually. Just that, that's, that's just kind of to give you a bit of an idea of what it was like to watch this movie. Because it has a lot of unanswered questions and leaves you just kind of hanging on a lot of things. And also the general structure of the film is fairly similar to to Sphere. So much so that I was like, is this based off of something? And so I actually looked into it and it is. Uh, it's based off of a book trilogy called the called the Southern Reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. You know, it, it's very interesting. Uh I'm very curious as to what the books are like. So, you know, I also give that to the movie. It, it at least made me curious about the books. But yeah. So so before we you know get into the actual story, let's talk my history. My history is fairly short. It I saw the trailer for it once ages ago. Uh, when I was at the movie theater to watch a different movie, and I was curious because it looked, you know, very colorful, very weird. I had Natalie Portman in it, and yeah, I, I was curious, but I I wasn't willing to actually go to the movies to watch it. Didn't get it on DVD, uh, and finally it ended up on Netflix just like this past couple weeks or so, and I was like, yeah, why not? So I've now literally just a little bit before recording this. I have watched Annihilation. It, like I said, is weird. Would I say it's good? Um, it's okay. It, it kind of drags. Like, even it's, it's action-y, like, oh my god, points are very, meh. You know? So, so let's, let's go ahead and get into it. So, just some, I guess, warnings uh, about this film. Th there's... A lot of like graphic violence in it. Well, I guess there's not a whole lot, but you know, there's, there's a lot of graphic, uh, gross, gory stuff that you you might want to avoid. Just so you know, it is. It comes in just about under two hours, so it's not terribly long. It uh, and then and then it's it, it can be a little bit dull at times. But yeah, so let's go ahead and get into it. So the the movie opens with its framing device. Uh, we follow Natalie Portman's character, I believe her name is Lena, uh, as she is being interviewed post-incident. She is sitting in a little chair, and she is being interviewed as to what happened. What happened to everyone? You know, why is she the only person left? Which kind of spoils, you know, that the entire team that she goes in with disappears or dies. And, and we're only given confirmation of one person's death. But yeah, so there, there's that. Then it like jumps back to a meteor crashing. Or was the meteor first? I think, I think the meteor comes after. Yeah, no, it comes after her interview. It, it's very weird that way. But yeah, so the the meteor crashes into the into a lighthouse. It begins to develop this shimmer around it. That we are later told has been expanding for three years. Uh, how they were able to keep it so under wraps is kind of amazing, but yeah. We then jump to Lena 
at a lecture at, I'm guessing, Johns Hopkins University, I believe is what she says at one point. Um, and she's just talking about cancer and whatnot, because that's kind of her specialty as a, as a biologist is in cancer research and whatnot. So she leaves, runs into a different, I'm guessing, professor. Well, I, th I believe we are told later on that he is indeed a professor. She invites him to a bar, sorry, she is invited by him to a barbecue, uh, which she declines because she intends to paint her house, not her house, her bedroom. He's like, you know, he's been gone for a year. You can move on. You don't have to, you know, feel too guilty about going to a barbecue. She's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to paint my bedroom. So at that point, we are told, we're kind of clued in that her husband has been dead for the past year. She's trying to get into the you know process of moving on. And we get to see some pictures, and I was very surprised by the casting of her her husband. Uh, it, it's Oscar Isaac. I was like, oh, I didn't know he was in this movie. Cool. But yeah, we, we see some like flashbacks and whatnot to her and him. as And then she starts painting the, the room. And at first I thought that this was still like a flashback. But then like someone comes into her house and then comes just comes out into the bedroom and it's it's him her husband has reappeared after a year and is still alive she starts trying to question him and pull information out of him but he 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 can't give answers he doesn't know he then takes a drink of water where there's some blood in it and he's like i don't feel so good so she tries rushing him off to the hospital in an ambulance the ambulance gets pulled over by like some unmarked SUVs and he is pulled out of the ambulance and so is she she gets injected with something and is knocked out she wakes up in a facility in like an orange jumpsuit so like like a prisoner's jumpsuit for some reason a psychiatrist comes in starts asking her questions and whatnot and then she tries asking some questions and is basically shown that there's this weird shimmer that is slowly expanding and has been expanding over the past three years and is likely to overtake where they're currently stationed to, like, observe it. And it, it encompasses a large region. She also finds out that her husband is still alive at that facility, but, you know, he's pretty much dying. She then just kind of mopes around for a bit, comes across these uh, three other women who, you know, are inquiring about what she does. And she decides not to tell them about her husband, as it turns out they are the next group of people to go into the Shimmer. Her husband was part of the last group, or a, maybe the last group, or the group before it. I don't know. But he, he was part of one of the last groups. And she so she withholds the information that her husband was part of that team, and is the one that came back. Then she decides to volunteer to go with them, and then they all journey in. Immediately after they enter the Shimmer, uh, three days just goes by. She, and at this point, we start getting interrupted periodically by, like, technically three different types of um, asides, I guess you could call them. We are interrupted by the husband flashback, the affair flashback, and then the flash forward to the interview. It's, uh, it's weird. <laughs> so, I believe at this point we're introduced to the 
affair flashback. Now, at this point, we're not told that it's an affair. We kind of assume that maybe it's like her and that... Because who she's having an affair with is the professor that tried to invite her to a barbecue. And so when we see that, we kind of think, oh, maybe she ended up having a thing with him uh, once her husband was missing because it had been a year. So maybe they tried something and it didn't work out. Uh, we later do find out that it was an affair. She, with her husband having issues, and him and his wife supposedly not having issues, but he still decides to have an affair on her for some reason. I don't know. Guy's a bit of a dick, but it's weird. <laughs> it is very weird how he, he sees the world. But, yeah. But that has, like, literally no bearing on the plot whatsoever. In fact, I don't know really why it's there. Just except for to say that, oh, her and her husband kind of had some trouble. Kind of. I don't know. It, it's weird. But again, it has, like, no real bearing on the plot. Yeah, once they enter the Shimmer, she wakes up in a tent, comes out, meets up with the group again, and they discuss about how they, they have no memories of setting up camp or anything, and they... They've checked their rations and everything, and it looks like they've been there for three days. But they go, oh well, and just continue their journey on. Then they come across the bayou, the swamp, and a house that's kind of fallen in, fallen into the swamp. And they're, they're investigating, and they notice that these, these flowers are they're pretty much like a bunch of different flowers, but they're all part of the same plant like you would expect each of these flowers to be their own thing but they're all part of the same like root system and the same plant so they're like that's neat then one of them gets attacked by what looked to be an invisible thing when it happens it was very hard to tell what was going on at the at the beginning because she just gets like yanked into the thing it looks like she's yanked from her back she starts getting pulled underwater they're able to pull her free somehow, and they, they get onto the banks, and then whatever was in the house starts coming out. This is also where I, again, get confused, because it looked like invisible things were, like, jumping out of the window into the water, but they weren't. And then a, a big old chunky alligator thing comes out the main door and then plumps into the water and comes out of comes after them. They kill it. And notice that it has shark teeth. So it's, it's like an alligator crocodile thing. I think alligator. Uh, with, with the teeth system and similar attributes to a shark. So they're like, that's weird. But then they get in some boats and journey along through the bayou. And eventually they come across the abandoned uh, outpost. What they used to use for the like staging area for their expeditions before the Shimmer overtook it. So they decide to set up camp there. And while they're exploring, they come across a video from the previous uh, expedition team and find out that it is, um, yeah, <laughs> it's not good. So the video shows uh, Lena's husband cutting open one of his uh, expedition mates and opening him up and inside his intestines are moving and he then like op like turns to the camera and is like super excited for some reason 
It's very creepy. Then he washes the blood off his hands and leaves the knife in the water. They then continue exploring the uh, facility, come across a pool with this big growth along the side of it. And as they go to investigate said growth, they notice that the growth is a man. So the body has been like split into like three or four sections growing up the wall. And the one that was attacked by an alligator, I believe played by Tessa Thompson, notices the knife in the water, indicating that the guy that's growing up the wall is also very dead, but he's growing up the wall. He is the same one from the video, the one that had the moving intestines. So she gets freaked out and wants to leave, but they can't because it's too late. Uh, you know, it's getting nighttime. So they decide to hole up in kind of an, an observation tower. They're all sleeping there. Then Le Lena wakes up after another flashback dream thing. And she decides to, you know, check in some experiments, look, looking on some of the samples that they, they had taken. Then she decides to go join the... I, I can't remember their... The team lead. She joins the team lead down on, like, a weird like ground observation thing. It's just like this little wooden box. But, you know, they're there keeping an eye when all of a sudden a loud noise sounds. They all come out. One of them's attacked by something and then dragged away. It's very It was very hard to see what happened or how it was able to sneak up on them given the description of what it was. So we are later told it's a bear. And... It's, it comes out of literally nowhere. Like, you hear the noise, and supposedly the noise was it cutting it open a hole in the fence and, like, coming in. Then, as they're all looking to try to see what might be coming after them or coming towards them, no one notices a bear just kind of coming in, and it attacks one of the people and drags them away. They follow, but can't, uh, can't catch it because, it, ooh, it's dark. So they hang out in the the observation tower for a bit, and then they leave. The, the, I think I'll, I'll discuss it later, because I'll mention it real quick, though. It might be because of the weirdness of the situation and whatnot, but a lot of their actions and plans do, don't really make a whole lot of sense in in the grand scheme of things. But, we'll, we'll like I said, we'll get back to that later. So... Lena has to kind of try to convince the group to keep moving on because everyone but the team lead wants to turn around and leave. She lies to them in order to get them to continue moving towards the lighthouse because she she wanted to see what was happening. We, we find out that it's a lie uh, in a flash forward to the interview where he's like, you lied to them. And she's like, I, I didn't know whether or not like going back would do anything. Like, what it even meant. And it's just like, what? It could have meant literally leaving. You don't know. But, anyhow, they continue on. But now things are kind of tense. And Lena and the group come across some disembodied boots. Some boots that are assumed to be the person that was snatched away. Uh, so... The group wants to just continue moving on. At least the team lead wants to continue moving on. But Lena's like, no, nah, I want to know if she's dead. I, I need to know. So 
she goes off by herself. One of the other team members is like, I'll go with you. But she's like, no, no, I'll, I'll go alone. So Lena goes in, finds the body after seeing some tree deer. So these, the, the, they're like these white kind of fuzzy um, deer, very small, with branches for antlers. And one of them was flowering and one of them wasn't. Then after she finds the body, she comes back and she's like, they're like, did you find her? She's like, yeah, she's dead. And then they move on. Bit awkward, but yeah. They come across this neighborhood. In this neighborhood, they see, I'm, I'm going to call them treeple because they are basically these like shrubs or trees that are growing in the shape of people. And at this point, we get the kind of explanation as to why there's all these weird creatures and, you know, why weird stuff's going on. The basic explanation, if you can call it that, is that the shimmer itself is acting as a prism. And whereas normal prisms for, like, us refract light, uh, this prism refracts everything. So slowly but surely, everything within the shimmer is, like, merging and like kind of gaining properties of each other so that's why you have those deer things that have branches for antlers that's why you have these trees like shrub tree things that are growing in the shape of people it's not that people turned into them it's that they're growing growing into the shape of people because people have been in the shimmer and the plants have gotten the dna or at least the like i can't remember what they called it but it's like something DNA, basically what determines the shape we grow in. And and so they've grown into to people. They decide to bunk in one of the houses where the uh, person who's been kind of, who initially was the person heading, wanting to leave, she kind of like puts on a hoodie that I have no clue where it came from, but she, she puts on a hoodie and she looks at her hand and notices, you know, things kind of, moving under her hand um then lena as everyone's trying to sleep gets up and tests her dna and sees it splitting and doing kind of weird stuff she's so she's like oh you know that's okay that yeah fun uh then she i guess at some point goes back to sleep because it had from that point it just like jumps to another flashback then she wakes up to see the the hoodie woman standing over her and she's like what's going on and she's like shut up uh you answer that question and then smacks her in the face with the gun we then jump to another flashback and back she wakes up in a chair tied to a chair uh and everyone's tied to a chair and it turns out that um the hoodie woman has discovered the necklace of lena in said necklace is the guy from the video so she keeps asking questions, but they, they're all tied to the chairs and they're they're gagged, so they can't exactly answer. But, yeah, she's kind of panicked and paranoid about what's going on because of, you know, the, the, she sees her, like, fingerprints and whatnot shifting. And she's scared that if she was tied to a chair and cut open, you know, would would her insides be moving like they were for that one guy? But she's like, but I'm not the one tied to the chair. So she's pretty much implying that she's going to cut open Lena. Uh, she doesn't get a chance because she hears the cry of the woman that was killed by the bear. She 
gets a sudden panicked look on her face and she's like, but you said she was dead. Rushes out and gets attacked, I'm guessing, or at least like hit. And then the bear comes in. And so the design of the bear is that it's kind of like a, I would say a grizzly maybe with like no flesh on its face. Like its skull almost looks like it's maybe been slightly merged with that of a deer because it doesn't quite have the, I don't know, it's very long, semi-flat. But yeah, so it, it has like a kind of skull face looking thing and it like yells in a person's voice it goes around and starts like sniffing them yelling trying to get a reaction out of them i think it might be blind maybe because again it has like no no proper face it goes up to one of them and like puts its mouth on them as if trying to like eat them or like it might bite down but instead the hoodie woman comes in and starts shooting at it fails gets it pretty much completely fucked up by the bear and dies then uh, the one that was about to get nibbled on as it charges to attack lena uh, she kills the bear and then they <laughs> the leader the team lead pretty much says okay uh, i'm moving on goodbye and she leaves the other two stay behind um so the the one who proposed the one that was going to get nibbled on she's the one that proposed the the prism theory and she asks lena so i was right that you know the the prism idea and lena's like i I think so because you know i checked my dna or my blood last night and it it's in me and she's like you know i think you guys are weird you want to fight it uh the team lead wants to see it or observe it or whatever uh i think you guys i I don't know what you guys are doing so she decides to embrace it and she starts like sprouting these like i want to say like like stems i guess out of her her skin as she's walking away and as lena tries to catch up to her she rounds a corner and it's just like a bunch of rose people so she just like embraces it and becomes a rose bush, I guess, in the shape of a person. Which I didn't know it could go that way, but I guess it could. <laughs> so Lena forges ahead. She go makes it to the to the lighthouse, and in said lighthouse, in and around the lighthouse, so around the lighthouse, there's like a bunch of just skeletons. In the lighthouse, there's a hole in the ground. A guy burned under the staircase and the camera set up and as lena investigates the camera she watches the footage and sees her husband in the footage as he sits down and starts talking about how he doesn't know if he is kane or not or if you know or what's going on and then he burns himself so he is the the burnt guy in the corner and then after he while he's burning in the video we see as uh Kane comes in front of the the camera so yeah basically after so we'll get into the explanation 
in a little bit. Then Lena goes into the hole, finds the team lead. The team lead becomes energy and a floating ball of whatever. Um, then a bit of Lena's blood goes into it and it forms into the shape of a person. Lena shoots it, but that doesn't do anything. She like scrambles out to try to run away, but it has like teleported into the room and it's mirroring her. She tries to take the camera and attack it, but it attacks her as well because it's kind of mirroring her. Though, it is and it isn't mirroring her. It's like an imperfect mirroring, and it's it's kind of very awkward that way. Because the it, it'll perfectly mimic some of her actions, but then it will, like, well, I guess not mimic, but, like, reflect them at her. And then... At other times, when, like, say she got knocked the fuck out, it'll then just, like, walk over to her and, like, lay next to her in the same position. It's like, oh, I'm out of sync. There we go. And then it'll resume. But, yeah. That happens, like, I think twice. But when she tries to, like, run out of the room, it follows her and, like, slams against the door with her and then falls over eventually. Then Lena gets up slowly, goes over to the the equipment bag, grabs an incendiary grenade, which luckily wasn't caught in any kind of blaze, hands it to the mimic, and then takes the pin out, and then is able to leave because the mimic, as it's turning into her, is just kind of standing there dumbfounded, and then starts burning. Uh, and then the mimic just kind of goes around the lighthouse, catching everything on fire as it as it is on fire. And then, yeah, the the entire shri- uh, shimmer burns away, I guess. And then she's recovered, asked the questions. Um, her story's pretty much, you know, syncs up with what they end up finding. They find uh, the burnt lighthouse. Um, but yeah, so... She, then she's like, okay, now can you tell me, answer my questions? And they're like, yeah, so when the shimmer went down, uh, your husband recovered. He, you know, he seems fine, but he's still under isolation. She's like, so am I. So they're put together, and she's like, so you're not Kane. And he's like, I don't think so. And then he's like, are you Lena? But she doesn't answer. They hug. His eyes do a weird thing. Her eyes do a slightly different weird thing. And then the movie ends. Movie over. So like I said, this this movie is based off of a book. But it's not just a book. The book is a trilogy, so I don't know how the trilogy continues. Um, no clue. I believe the, the books are called... Um, it's Annihilation, Something, and Acceptance. It might be Authority and then Acceptance. Or Authority is the new one. Because it's a trilogy of books, but um, recently they have announced that they're doing a fourth book. So I I don't know. I don't know what happens. I'm very curious to potentially read the books. I might, you know, pick them up at some point. I don't know. But, yeah. So, overall, it's fine. It's very weird. It gets very slow in between those, like, bits of action that I, I, I described. Because a lot of it's them wandering and just kind of chatting idly. 
to, to try to give you know some character to depth and whatnot. We later learned that the team lead uh, has cancer or had cancer, so she was never coming out. At least that was the idea. That it, it was technically a a suicide mission and whatnot. I, I don't know. It, again, it's weird. <laughs> but as for their actions and whatnot, it, it, there, there's some logical choices that you would think that you know scientists would do. Like for example, don't touch plants that you don't know the origin of, because they might be poisonous. You don't know. Like. I mean, none of these things actually come into play into the story at all, but it it's still, it's still, yeah. <laughs> so, don't touch plants that you don't know the origin of. Um, wear gloves and pr- protective, you know, eyewear at least. Um, maybe they should have also gone in with like face masks or something. I don't know. You're going into a weird, what looks to be a potentially super toxic environment. Wear some kind of protection. They don't. They just bring guns, because I guess guns can solve poison. Then, when they get to the old base, they do the smart thing of, like, camping in the the observation tower. Smart move. But they didn't decide to observe from the observation tower. The person guarding the perimeter, because they only have one person guarding the perimeter, um, is guarding it from a little wooden box about, I don't know, 50 yards from from the tower? Maybe less? Maybe about 20? But, yeah, they're, they're like, away from the tower and whatnot. They don't need to be. The tower is an observation tower. Observe from the tower. You can see whatever might be coming your way from the tower. <laughs> but, nah. Th- those are the, the main weird actions. Besides the the cutaways get kind of annoying. Because, it, again, one of them just retain, uh, pertains sorry, to Lena's affair with that guy. Which adds, again, like I said, nothing to the story. It doesn't really mean much except for to say they had a bit of a rocky relationship she decides to stop the relationship and the guy's like you don't hate me you hate yourself and she's like no i hate you too because <laughs> of course supposedly maybe he knew like her husband knew or she was lying about that just to try to end the end the affair i i don't know <laughs> it it's not really explained and the, thus again is pointless addition to the to the story doesn't add much of anything um let's see the acting is okay though some some of the early moments with natalie portman like her her strained look when trying to i think like try to get information and whatnot it looks like she's trying to swallow a grape hole and not having a good time it's very weird uh but overall, like, the, the character interactions are generally fine. It's okay. <laughs> it's competent. Um, let's see. Anything else? Oh, yeah. So, the explanations for the things is that, technically, because of the properties of the Shimmer, technically a bunch of alien DNA 
did get into Lena. So she is, at the very least, partially alien. Um, and th- that's why Kane had the existential crisis thing to where he decided to incendiary grenade himself. is because he spent so long in there that he doesn't know if he is him anymore. So he decides to let the let the mimic be him for some reason. Uh let's see anything else. No no clue how the hell he, um the mimic got to her. It's not really explained. His his explanation for it when he's like when she, um when she asks like how how did you get back and he's like I just saw it I saw the door, the door with the the room with the bed and I saw you and I was like I recognize you. So I came through. Except he he definitely came in through the front door unless he was somehow looking through the window. I I don't get it. It was very confusing. Uh how this could go into a sequel? No clue. <laughs> oh right. So the structure and why it's similar to Sphere. So the structure of the movie, it it breaks it up into chapters. And in the book sphere, it's broken up into three sections. Not three, like... No, three sections, I think. Um, and each one has a specific name. And the movie, when adapting that, decided to take that, run with it, but expand upon it by having more sections as well, I think. And so every once in a while, it just, like, stops, puts a title card for the section... And then continues the movie. Which can be a little bit grating. But I'm guessing that the book was also split into sections like that. So I can kind of appreciate that. But yeah. That, that's Annihilation. Uh, it's a lot weirder than I was expecting it to be. But overall it's fine. But with that said. Let's go ahead and. Oh would I recommend it? Um, if you're really interested in seeing a lot of colorful stuff. But then maybe some slightly dodgy CGI near the end. Um, give it a look. Otherwise, um, meh. It's kind of boring. It's um, it's two hours long. Or just shy of two hours long. And it's not really very captivating. So I would say only if you want some, some pretty looking visuals at some times. But then it kind of gets undermined by the dodgy CGI of the, the mimic creature thing. I don't know. I would say you could give it a miss. It's not terribly worth it. But maybe the book's interesting, so maybe check out the book. But yeah, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and leave it there, and we can now move on to the challenge update. Alright, so it is now update time. Uh, this update is actually going to be a little bit complicated for multiple reasons, uh, funnily enough. Because, one, we finished a book. So, you know, standard update procedure there. We're going to talk about the book. But I also have finished a series, so we're going to talk about the series overall. Lastly, but also what we're going to talk about first, is um, Adventure Update. Yeah, one of these hasn't been (laughs) in a little while. I believe I might have mentioned at some point last week that, that things might be happening. Uh, and they're still kind of in a nebulous point, but from everything, it looks like it's going through. 
which means that the next episode is going to be very complicated to properly put together, and the episode after that is going to be very hard to do the research for, and by research I mean watch the thing. So, <laughs> it's going to be complicated for the next, like, two weeks, at least. And then, if I get picked up for multiple sessions, then it's going to be a long, complicated, like, next month or so. And potentially even beyond. Who knows? We'll see. But, yeah, so so adventure, adventure time. <laughs> it's going to be a good old time. Uh, you'll notice in the YouTube shorts, um, for the next book for Outbound Flight will be somewhere else. That, that's just how it's going to be. Wrapping my head around how I'm going to do this while away from home is, has, has been a challenge to say the least. (laughs) A, A challenge within my own personal challenge. Um, because I've been trying to figure out, like, how... I, I like I can't leave my the dust covers here because I like to read the book without the dust cover, but I kind of need the dust cover for the shorts because you know that's how I easily convey it. Or else it would be I'm going from this blank covered book to this blank covered book. Um, let's get going, and I don't think that would convey across easily. Or I would have to like show the spines of the books, and that that would just be annoying. So I, I'm just bringing the dust covers with me, and I have to be very careful not to damage the dust covers fun. So there's that. Then there was the whole, like, how am I going to record the update? See, the last time I was going to go on an adventure, it it was going to be easier because I was going to have my own, like, hotel room to where I could, like, during my free time, I could do whatever the hell I want. And recording this would be one of those things. But that gets a bit complicated when it's kind of an almost communal space. And that, so, so it's going to be very hard to update the recording. So, I might end up recording outside in the middle of nowhere where uh, you might hear, you know, outside noises. We'll see. It's, like I said, it's going to be complicated because luckily all I have to record for the next episode is the update. So when I finish Outbound Flight or whatnot, I that, that's all I have to worry about is recording that. Otherwise, I have to worry about watching the stuff for the episode that follows and that's not too hard. I've downloaded the entire season, so I should be able to watch it fine. The next issue that I've run into is how am I going to upload the YouTube version? It, it, it It's complicated a lot of things. So I have an idea, and I'm going to test it with this episode since I get to, I get to you know, edit and upload it at home. Uh, I'm going to do some tests, see what I can and can't do, and I might be able to find a decent way to upload it we'll see um but yeah so with that i think that's enough for the adventure update um yeah (laughs) moving on to the book so i finished this week uh the tower of nero which also wrapped up the trials of apollo books so now i have to you know talk about the book and talk about this the Trials of Apollo series as a whole. Now, the Tower of Nero book, I, I'm going to say overall, was fine. In fact, the whole Trials of Apollo series overall was fine. But they have a bit of a different feel in comparison to the Percy Jackson Olympian series. And even, I'm willing to say, a bit of a different feel in comparison to 
the Heroes of Olympus series. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that this specific feeling makes it feel like not a whole lot happens in each book. But I still am willing to praise it for the fact that... So part of the reason that it feels that way is because there's not a whole big sense of progression in each book. Like, you're reading and then you kind of blink and you realize, oh, they're like building towards the end game already like for this book. <laughs> so it, it's kind of disorienting in, in that sense where you're you're kind of expecting, you know, multiple things to be happening. But no, they're they're properly like building towards the end game already. A decent example of this would be in Tower of Nero, where, like, about halfway through the book, they're, they, well, not even halfway through the book, they go to talk to Rachel, some cows attack, so they flee, and they end up in the home of the, the troglodytes, bing, bang, boom, they're now at the Tower of Nero, and you're in the end game now, son. Uh, I do, again appreciate that with these longer form books you know the, the hardback books and the, the overall longer books that trials of apollo and heroes of olympus are that you do get multiple chapters per situation by the same time it does kind of break the flow a little bit for him to be in the middle of literally fighting the final boss and the chapter breaks for a new chapter and you're like okay yeah I think overall the series, the Trials of Apollo series, feels a lot more subdued. It's probably the one with the most pop culture references, which gets kind of annoying. I understand, like, Apollo talking about older music and whatnot, and he kind of needs to be up to date on certain things. But over the span of six months, in in the actual canon timeline of these fucking books... Over the span of six months, which these books take a place over, Apollo goes from 2016 references to 2020 references, like, super fast, which would be very disorienting um, in reality. Um, but as long as you're willing to look past the very disorienting uh, references, overall the story's fine. There are some things that kind of are annoying me as it pertains to the upcoming book part of the reason I decided to do this challenge in the first place uh that also is related to the timeline and what is supposed to be happening for example a lot of discussions of I believe the name is uh Ganymede uh or something like that. the the cup bearer of the gods he is mentioned multiple times throughout the trials of apollo series which leads decently into the book that that's going to be the sixth Percy Jackson and the Olympians book. But, supposedly, that quest happens before. Now, to be fair, the basic description of Chalice of the Gods does say that this is Percy's working through his senior year. With the help of Annabeth and Grover, which doesn't make sense but we'll get to that it also mentions a bit of a different thing uh, in the description of them trying to get to into olympus university which doesn't work isn't right that might have been a, a messed up description like you know a news article 
about the thing. I might have read that got it wrong. But the whole point of of Percy and Annabeth's thing is that they want to go to New Rome University. At the end of the Trials of Apollo series, they got in. And they're just waiting for the semester to start. In fact, the thing that it... The end of this book, as you know, a lot of these books try to do, does try to sow the seeds for further books. For example, it sowed the seeds for the uh, Nico and Will story where they go to Tartarus, which I will be reading um, not next, but in the book after. So that that's going to be the next book after I finish Outbound Flight. Exciting times. But it, it sets up that. Good. Uh, it also technically could have set up the what I feel would have actually been the proper thing, which is Percy, Annabeth, and Grover on a journey to 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 uh, New Rome, and that's when they get sidetracked by because that's kind of what they discuss in the book in in Tower of Nero is that you know oh it was a bit of a bumpy ride getting getting here with a bunch of twists and turns, kind of suggesting oh maybe we'll do that story. But instead, they're going for before Trials of Apollo, when Grover technically is supposed to be stuck in California, still trying to deal with the wildfires. They decided, nah, he he took a break from that to help Percy and Annabeth, I guess? And Annabeth dealing with stuff in a different state is also not necessarily a an issue either. I don't know, we'll see when the book comes out, but that was something that kind of annoyed me. But with, with that aside, um... Some other things. So, the idea that they stay in one place the entire book, I love. It really works for me because it gives you a good feeling of place in each book. You get to kind of orient yourself with the location that they're in. You you start to build stakes for what they're doing. And I liked that. That was fun. Then... But at the same time, because they're not going to so many places in each book, it does feel like, you know, the book's a lot shorter than it actually is. Because they pretty much show up in a place, go to where their home base is going to be, adventure out to one additional place, then likely come back, and then go out to start the end game of the book. (laughs) That's pretty much the pattern for all of these books so far. Oh, not even so far. That's the pattern. <laughs> they show up in a place, do adventure out a little bit, come back, and then begin the end game. That that's that's the pattern. And overall, it works. It just feels like not a whole lot happens. It, that's it's the sad truth of the thing. <laughs> the characters are fine. You do get to feel a little bit of character progression with Apollo, though. Each book it resets at least a little bit. And by the end, he he's changed a decent amount. A lot of the characters change and a lot of twists and turns happen. I'm not going to spoil too much because, to be fair, this book is actually fairly recent. Uh, it came out in 2020. And then the following year, what was it that released? I believe it was Daughter of the Deep was the following year, I think. I think Daughter of the Deep was 2021. It's either that or Daughter of the Deep was 2022. Or Rick Rorden took a break because he was developing the Disney Plus series. Maybe. That's another thing that's very weird with the timeline. Because, like I've said prior, the timeline in this entire series is a bit fucked because technically the Trials of Apollo books take place in 2010 if your starting point is all the way back in 2005. 
So there's a lot of references for future things for some reason in 2010. But if you shift it to kind of accommodate technically where the first proper dated reference is placed, that would be in 2016. So technically the books could be theoretically dated to 2016, but at the same time, not really. I don't know. He used, he seemed to be fine without so many like blatant modern pop culture references before, but whatever. We we do with that what we will. Mm. Another thing it seems to set up at the end of the book is a big crossover. Now, I, I understood one of the people that Chiron went to talk to was probably Bast from the Cain Chronicles book. Books, I think. Um, because in this book, when he when Apollo first re-arrives at Camp Half-Blood, he asks where Chiron is, and he's told, oh, he's at like a war council thing. Uh, things are going a bit weird, but you'll have to talk to him about it. And he's told that he went to talk to a cat and a severed head or a headless body. One of those two. I, I can't remember which it said. <laughs> but we will... I'm guessing it's probably whoever the kind of mentor slash guide is in the Magnus Chase books is probably who the other person. I don't know. Because the Magnus Chase books are currently, for me, three books away. Before I can get to the Magnus Chase books, I have to read Outbound Flight, The Sun and the Star, or The Star and the Sun? Sun and the Star, and The Throne of Fire. That's it. That's the second book, Throne of Fire. I have to read those three books, all while dealing with the complications of the adventure ahead. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a time for sure. So... Overall, in the agenda, everything should be generally okay. As long as I plan out how I read the books decently well, it should be okay. Yeah, I think that that's pretty good. I did like the ending, like the ending ending, like after everything's going, the, the wrap up. That's where a lot of the kind of seeds for potential books and whatnot are laid, but what I enjoyed was that, you know, he properly went everywhere and just checked up on everyone, making sure that everyone was okay, that the things that happened after each book, you know, they got wrapped up nicely. It was very nice. But yeah, I, I liked it. It's not the best of them, but it's definitely, like, its highest highs weren't nearly as high. Even though there were some like massive battles and whatnot that took place, and its lowest lows were not nearly as low, which is good. So overall, this one kind of is the neutral. It's the um, the baby bear. Uh, it's just right amount, I guess. You know, it's not. It doesn't have the biggest crescendo, but it also doesn't have the biggest fuck ups. So not bad, not bad at all. Anywho, with that said, though, we will call it there. As I said uh, at the beginning of the update section, things are going to get a little bit complicated. Uh, the Pirate Lego Pirates of the Caribbean episode should be relatively unaffected. I've already pre-edited and pre-recorded 
the episodes and pre-uploaded them, so they should go out nice and smooth regardless. There might be some issues and whatnot that, you know, make things hard. And there's a decent chance that if certain things don't work out terribly well, that the episode, the podcast episode, might be late on one or more platforms. So I do apologize for that. And uh, I do ask you, please be patient with me. Uh, I'm going to be in the middle of nowhere, where if I'm lucky, I'll be able to, you know, upload the stuff in time. If I'm not, oops. <laughs> like, at the very least, the audio version should be should be fine. But the the video version on YouTube will potentially have some issues with uploading but but if my plan like my my test works out fine we should be okay anyway though with that said thank you guys so much for listening if you guys liked this please feel free to you know like comment and subscribe if you're on youtube feel free to rate and review it on the your podcast catcher of choice tell your friends uh, go ahead and spread it around like the plague if you could but yeah um as for streams, sadly, they're gonna not, they're not, <laughs> they're just not, uh, for, like, the next couple of weeks. I might be able to do one when I get back during my, my break period, but otherwise, for, like, the next couple of weeks, no streams, sadly. In fact, potentially for, like, the next month, no streams. I'll try to see about doing at least one each break period to, you know, add stuff in, but we'll see. As for, like, my, my gaming shorts, I'll try. Again, internet might be a bit of an issue, but I'll try to upload some shorts here and there to keep some decent content going. I might even do some some adventure update shorts, uh, like, on the trip there and whatnot. That might be fun. We'll see. Anywho, I'll talk to you guys later. Goodbye. <laughs>